John chapter 8 in the ESV. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Early in the morning he came again to the temple. All the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery. And placing her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in an act of adultery. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. So what do you say? This they said to test him, that they might have some charge to bring against him. And Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. And as they continued to ask him, he stood up and he said to them, Let him who was without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And once more he bent down and he wrote on the ground. But when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Jesus stood up and he said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? And she said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more. And again Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to him, You are bearing witness about yourself? Your testimony is not true, Jesus answered them. Even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true. For I know where I came from and where I'm going. But you do not know where I come from or where I'm going. You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. Yet even if I do judge, my judgment is true. For it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. In your law it is written that the testimony of two people is true. I am the one who bears witness about myself. And the Father who sent me bears witness about me. They said to him, therefore, where is your father? And Jesus answered, You know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. These words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple. But no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. So he said to them again, I am going away and you will seek me and you will die in your sin. Where I am going, you cannot come. So the Jews said, will he kill himself since he says, where I'm going, you cannot come? And he said to them, you are from below, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. So they said to him, who are you? And Jesus said to them, just what I've been telling you from the beginning. I have much to say about you and much to judge. But he who sent me is true, and I declare to the world what I have heard from him. They did not understand that he had been speaking to them about the Father. So Jesus said to them, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, and that I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me. And he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. And as he was saying these things, many believed in him. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are offspring of Abraham, and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? 
And Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my words find no place in you. I speak of what I've seen with my father, and you do what you have heard from your father. They answered him, Abraham is our father. And Jesus said to them, If you were Abraham's children, you'd be doing the works that Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. You are doing the works your father did. They said to him, We were not born of sexual morality. We have one father, even God. If, and Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me. For I came from God, and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your father the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you can fix me of sin? If I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you don't hear them is that you are not of God. The Jews answered him, Are we not right in saying that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? And Jesus answered, I do not have a demon, but I honor my father, and you dishonor me. Yet I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks it, and he is the judge. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. The Jews said to him, Now we know that you have a demon. Abraham died, as did the prophets. Yet you say, If anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham, who died? And the prophets who died? Who do you make yourself out to be? And Jesus answered, If I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my father who glorifies me, of whom you say he is our God. But you have not known him. I know him. If I were to say that I do not know him, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him, and I keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. So the Jews said to him, You are not yet fifty years old, and have you seen Abraham? And Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. So they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. Let's pray before we dig into this scripture. Father, we thank you, Lord. We praise you for the opportunity to come before your scripture and before you, Lord, and to read this word. Father, and I pray that we would just be convicted by your word, Lord. Help us to not leave here today settled, but to be unsettled and to move us toward a deeper personal relationship with you, Lord, and what Christ came to do, Lord. Help us to not stay where we are, Father, but move us to know and to repent and to find salvation in you, Father. And we ask that you would do this through your word and the Holy Spirit, Father. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Man, when it came time to uh, breaking out the sermons, I remember I specifically asked Ezra if I could have this one. I think one of the things that I love the most about John 8 is you see the back and forth between Jesus and the Pharisees. 
Jesus and the people. And I love it because I don't think until I really started to break down the scripture, I really began to understand what Jesus is really trying to hit home. This would make a wonderful Father's Day sermon. Problem is, it's not anywhere near Father's Day. How much I would long for it to be June right now, but I'm sure it's Father's Day in some remote part of the world, maybe like in Malta or something like that. So happy Malta and Father's Day to all of you. Um, I call this sermon, Who is Your Father? I was going to call it, Who is Your Daddy? But it didn't sound right. So who is <laughs> your father? Who is your father? And when I was putting this together, I really did feel like this was an apologetic sermon. And for those of you that are not familiar with the word apologetics, it's a branch of theology concerned with the defense or proof of Christianity. And the Greek word is apologia. It means a defense of one's position or actions. And for many of us today, we probably walk around thinking, how do I defend Christianity? How do I defend the truth of what Christianity, really what Christ is doing right now? What are some of the common arguments that you hear today, in today's environment, in today's world? And most likely, most of them start off with, well, what I believe, what I believe is really saying what works for me. You see, that may work for you, but what works for me is this. I remember recently I was talking to a woman, um, and we got into a conversation, and she was saying, well, you know, I grew up. Um, such and such religion. But you know, I, I find myself now, I'm more spiritual and not religious. And so my first question to that, which I didn't get an opportunity to ask because I had to go, was, tell me what that means. Because this person's definition of spiritual, not religious, is totally different from this person over here, which is spiritual, not religious. What it, what it basically means is, here's what works for me. I don't follow the rules. I don't follow what everybody else tells me what to believe. This is what works for me. And so the question that I have to ask people like that is, yes, but is what you believe true? Is what you believe true? I can believe in the green cheese monster, but does it make it true? Is what you believe true? See, truth is really important, isn't it? Because if you were convicted of a crime that you didn't commit, how important would truth be in, in a courtroom? So we actually believe in truth, and it's very important to believe in truth so isn't it important to believe in truth when it comes to your eternal salvation and to answer questions like, where did I come from? How do I determine right and wrong? And where am I going when I die? Truth is very important, and it matters. And what we're going to see today is exactly what Jesus says and reveals about us and who he is. Who is your father? And the main point, the thing that we're going to look at today is that it's believers, people who believe Christ, they can call God their Father. And we're going to see today what Jesus says about himself, what he says about us, and we're going to see how he does it. And we're going to look at John 8. And what I want to start off is, I want to come back to John 8, verses 1 through 11 at the very end. So we're going to hold off on that. We're going to start with verse 12 and look in that section in verses 12 through 30. And what Jesus is doing is he's continuing what had happened in chapter 7. Remember, this is the Feast of Booths. It is an annual celebration that God has called the Jewish nation to do. Why? Because it was a way to remember God's provision for them when they had been taken out of Egypt. 
They have now been freed from Egypt. They're going through the desert, and God tells them, I want you to have a feast in remembrance of the provision for the people when they left Egypt. And what they're called to do is to live in these makeshift houses called booths as a way to remember. And you remember last week when Ezra was, was preaching, one of the things that they did during that time was they, they drew water. There was a ceremony, and what they would do is they would draw water and they would pour it out in the temple. And this is a way to sort of is a way of remembering that the Holy Spirit being poured out. It's a way of remembering when Moses was in the desert and they were thirsty, he took his staff and what did he do? He hit the rock. And out of the rock came, yes, right? And so we see that. And so these are ways of pointing to that. And so that's why in the midst of that and in that context, Jesus stands up and he says in chapter 7, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his hearts will flow rivers of living water. And so that's one of the ceremonies that they do during the Feast of Booths. And now we see another ceremony that they do is they would light candles in the temple. And that was a way of remembering and looking at God, who is the light that was leading his people out of bondage, out of darkness, out of slavery. Remember, it was the pillar of fire at night that would do that. And so now it's within that context that Jesus now stands up and he proclaims to everyone, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus is proclaiming himself to be the light of the world. The light, holiness, truth, understanding, God's glory. Jesus is the revelation of God's glory. And what he's telling the people right now is, without me, you are lost. You are living in darkness. Isn't that what John said in chapter 1? The light has come into the world, but the people love the darkness. And you're seeing it right now. And Jesus stands up at the end of this feast and says, I am the light of the world. All of these ceremonies are pointing to me. And he stands up. And what is their response? Are they really excited to hear from Jesus? No, they say, you're talking about yourself. You're testifying about yourself. It's the same as if I went out in the field right now and said, everyone, listen to me. I am the way to God. You'd be like, you're talking on your own. And that's what they say to Jesus. You see, what they're thinking of is in the Old Testament, what they would say in Deuteronomy is, out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, the matter shall be established. They said, you're talking about yourself. What you say isn't true. And Jesus says, my testimony is true. Because it's not just I who testify, it's my Father. He bears witness about me and what I've come to do. And so that's why he goes on in verses 15 and 16 and says, You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. Yet even if I do judge, my judgment is true. For it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. They're judging Jesus. They're demanding a witness. You're witnessing to yourself. And he's like, I know my Father. And my Father testifies to who I am. But you know what? You don't know me. And because you don't know me, you don't know my Father. You don't know us. You don't know. And then he transitions and says, look, where I am going, I'm about to go away. You're going to seek me, and you're going to die in your sin because you can't come. You are lost without me. And he's giving a hint of what he came to do. You're going to die in your sin. 
you're living in darkness. The light has come into this world to show you who God is, the revelation of God's glory, and you want nothing to do with it because you don't believe my words. And you can't come because of who you are right now. You're going to die in your sin. Jesus is going away. It's his death, his resurrection, and his ascension. And he's telling us, you can't get to heaven without me. This is where you stand right now, unless you believe in him. And he's like, you know how you're going to know? When the Son of Man is lifted up. When he's lifted up on that cross. And when he's taken up back into heaven, you're going to see. When he's physically raised and he's spiritually exalted. He's like, why? Because I'm telling you exactly what I've heard from my father. I'm telling you all the words that come out of my mouth are from my father. Jesus starts off in verses 12 through 30 explaining who he is. He's trying to tell them who he is. I am the light, and I've come into a dark world, and you don't know me, and you don't know my Father, and you can't come where I'm going because you're going to die in your sin. Who he is. You know, the interesting thing about what Jesus is saying when he calls himself the light He's literally saying, I am the only way to God. Jesus is claiming exclusivity. It doesn't go over very well in our world today, right? People don't like for you to say that this is the only way. Well, here's the beautiful news. That's not our words. This is Jesus' words himself. Jesus is claiming exclusivity, and what he's saying is, unless you follow me and you believe me, you're lost. There is no other way. You're lost without me. You know, I look at my own life and how I, when I came to know Christ, and how I, it's funny because you hear this whole thing about light and darkness. Man, I love the darkness. And you know, when you think of darkness, you think of like really seedy behavior. No, I mean, just like I had seen the gospel. I had heard it. It just wasn't for me. I didn't want it because I thought in my life, I was like, I like what I'm doing because if I come to know Christ, man, my life is going to be living in this little box and I'm not ready to give up my freedom that I have. I'm not ready for that yet. I'll do that when I'm 85 years old, right? Before I die, that's when I'll finally do it. And Jesus addresses that too when he goes on into the next verses in 31 through 38. And Jesus starts off right here by telling us, who he is, and now he begins to transition to who we are. You see, Jesus now turns and speaks to the people who have believed in him, right? And he says to them, now, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you... That's a very often quoted piece of scripture that people, the truth will set you free, right? We're looking, we're looking at it within context right here because the context is Jesus is saying it about himself. If you abide in my word, then you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Free from what? Yes. What he's saying is you are slaves to sin. You don't even know you're a slave to sin, but you are in slavery and bondage right now. I have come to free you. Remember in the very beginning with the celebration of the, the festival, the, the Feast of Booths, right? It was to celebrate the freedom from where? Egypt. God the Father was freeing them from Egypt. 
And what Jesus is saying is, you are still in bondage. You are still in slavery. So the light has come into the world to free you from slavery. And of course, they look at that and they're so thankful and grateful, right? No. We've never been slavery to anybody. Abraham is our father. They thought it meant physical slavery. Jesus is talking about spiritual slavery. You, now it's even the flesh, it is physical. You are in bondage to sin. They misunderstood it because they thought we have never been slave to anybody. And Jesus is like, you don't quite answer. And he says, truly, truly, I tell you, anybody who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. Jesus is the only one that can set them free from this slavery. Jesus says, I know you're related to Abraham. I know you are. But you don't listen to me. Why? Because you want to kill me. You don't listen. You don't do what Abraham did. And so Jesus says, look, I'm telling you what I hear from my father, but you know what you're doing? You're doing what you hear from your father. I'm telling you what I hear from my father. You're doing what you hear from your father. That's one of the things that the Apostle Paul, when he talks about in Ephesians 2, what he's talking about is our situation. He's like, man, we were all just walking around following the course of the world just doing whatever, because that's what we thought everything was about. That's what we thought life was about, not realizing we were actually in sin. We were bondage and slaves to sin. And what Jesus is saying is, I have come to free you, not only to be a light in the darkness, I've come to free you from bondage. Just like the Father did with the Israelites in Egypt, you're in bondage right now, and I've come to free you from that. So Jesus is explaining their situation and who they are. Your father is the devil because you're doing everything that he did. And you're following him. And you are in bondage. And it doesn't matter that you are physically descended from Abraham. That doesn't do anything for you. And it's the same today when we see people who are trying to find righteousness in their flesh. It doesn't matter who you're related to. It doesn't matter that you're trying to do good deeds and good works. It does nothing for you because you are in bondage and you need to be freed. You know what makes sense now? Remember when Nicodemus comes to Jesus at night and Jesus is telling him, you have to be what? Reborn. Born again. This is why Nicodemus couldn't understand. He's like, I don't get it. I don't get it. We are the Jewish nation. We're good. We're the ones that were given the law. We've been following it. What do you mean that we have to be reborn again? Hey, the Gentiles, I understand, but for us? And what he's saying is you have to be reborn too because your flesh profits you nothing. We are all slaves to sin. And so that's what Jesus is saying here. He starts off by saying who he is, now he transitions to showing us who we are and where we stand. And he continues the argument further because in verse 39, what does he say? They say to him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you'd be doing the works that Abraham did. What did Abraham do? What did Abraham do? He believed. He believed. They're relying on their lineage to Abraham. They're saying, we're good. We're related to Abraham, so we're pretty good right now. And Jesus is saying, no, because you know what? You don't even do what Abraham did. 
Abraham believed God, and it was counted righteousness to him because he believed God in whom he was bringing and what God was doing to bring forth the Messiah. He may not have known Jesus by name, but he believed God. He's like, you don't even do that because you're trying to kill me. You're not doing what you say your father is, what your father did. You know what? God is not your father. The devil is your father. And so they respond to him and say, well, we know who our father is. Do you? That's a low blow. They're trying to say because of the virgin birth. We weren't born of sexual morality. We know who our father is. Do you? Jesus said, I know who my father is, and I know who your father is too. Your father is the devil. Why? Because whoever is of God hears God, the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you aren't of God. Those who are of God love him, and they believe him, and they believe the one whom God has sent. But those who are of the devil, they're like their father the devil. Why? Because they take the truth, and they twist it, and they fall to his deceit. Any other way besides Christ, you are following the devil. That's what C.S. Lewis's book, The Screw Tape Letters, as the, the older devil is telling the younger one, what he's telling him is don't think it has to be these egregious, huge sins to get people. Just take the truth and twist it just a little bit. It can look really spiritual but not religious. Just take it and twist it just a little bit. That's how you get them. And what Jesus is saying, the same thing. Anything that doesn't believe in me as Lord and Savior is from the devil. And we will follow any other way besides Jesus. And that's what's happening here. That's why Jesus is telling them, the devil, those who follow the devil, they don't stand in truth because truth is standing right here before you. And I'm telling you what I've heard from my father and you don't want to believe. And now I know you don't want to believe, you're trying to kill me. You are trying to kill me. What Jesus is doing is he's undoing their self-reliance. He's undoing the argument as I'm spiritual but not religious. Right? I can rely on my flesh to get me to heaven. I can rely on my works to get me to heaven. And what Jesus says to that, truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. He's talking about eternal life. If you hear what Jesus is saying and you keep his word, if you know Christ as your Lord and Savior, you will never see death. Abraham experienced death, and the prophets did. Who do you think you are saying that you're never going to experience death? He said, you truly, truly, I tell you, before Abraham was, I am. And what did they do then? They said, this guy's got to go. They knew exactly what he was saying. He was claiming to be God. Remember when Moses, God had called Moses to lead the people out of Egypt. And he's going back and forth with Moses, saying basically back and forth with God. Pick someone else. And God is like, you're the one. He says, well, what if they ask me? What if they say to me, well, who, who sent you? And he says, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. God is the great I am. He never had a beginning, doesn't have an end. He always existed. He is the great I am. And so what Jesus is saying right now to them is, before Abraham was, I am. And they knew exactly what he was saying. This guy is saying that he is God. And in fact, Jesus goes on to say, he says, 
Abraham rejoiced to see his day. Why? Because Abraham had placed his faith in what God was doing. Abraham believed. Abraham believed God. And what Jesus is saying is it's not your physical descent from Abraham that saves you. It's not your flesh that saves you. You have to have a rebirth because the true children believe. Believe. The true children of Abraham believe just like Abraham did himself. They don't listen because they don't hear the truth. And they believe that their lineage is what saves them. And it's like many people today who believe anything but belief in Jesus will save me and get me to heaven. Jesus is very clear. There's only one way there. Why? Because he is the light. You are in bondage to sin and you need to be freed. And how do you do it? You believe in the one whom the Father has sent and who the Father testifies to. I tell people this all the time. At one point in my life, I was a functional Muslim. What does that mean? Was I a Muslim? No. But what it means is I was functionally and functioning as a Muslim. Why? Because what Muslims believe is at the end of my life, all my good deeds are going to be added up, all my bad deeds. And if my good deeds outweigh my bad deeds, then I go to heaven. They live their whole life not knowing whether they're going to heaven. But that's how I used to live too, right? You ask somebody, if you were to die today and stand in front of God, and he said to you, why should I let you into heaven? What would you say? And people start, well, I gave to charity last year. Uh, I served on the parking team outside, you know. And we start trying to add up all of our good works. So functionally, we do the same thing. And what Jesus is saying is, now he's saying to the Jewish people, it doesn't matter that you are physically related to Abraham, you're still a slave to sin. And for us, it doesn't matter that you're trying to work your salvation in your own flesh. It means absolutely nothing. You are lost. You are lost. I am the light of the world. He is God. He is the truth and moral purity of God in a dark world. And who are we? Slaves to sin, whose father is not in heaven, whose father is the devil because you're doing everything that he tells you to do. You're just following it and following. And so Jesus tells us who he is. Jesus tells us who we are. And now we look to see, now how is Jesus going to do it? And you look at this story in the Bible of the woman caught in adultery. This woman has been caught, and they, Jesus is teaching, and they bring her before Jesus, and they say, this woman has been caught in adultery. Now, in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. What do you say? You think they legitimately want to know? What are they trying to do? They're trying to trap Jesus. What's he going to do? You see, if he stones her, he breaks Roman law. Because the Roman law said no one executes people except for them. Now, if he says, let her go, he's going to be breaking the Mosaic law, right? Which says the, pen the penalty for adultery is stoning. Who is he going to follow? Is he going to follow Moses? Is he going to follow Rome? And so he bends down, he writes something on the ground, and then he gets up and he says, let him who was without sin be the, among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And he bends back down and starts writing again. 
You see, what Jesus is doing is he's saying, okay, go ahead and stone her. But let it be from one of you that does not have sin. And their consciences start to get to them. Jesus is challenging their participation in the act. Jesus is challenging all of them in their sinfulness in this particular act to go and to judge this woman right here. He's judged, they're judging Jesus and they're judging this woman. But here's the other interesting thing. What happens if they pick up the stone and start throwing at this woman? What do you think those Roman soldiers are going to do? So what Jesus is also saying is, which one of you is willing to go to prison for this whole thing too? Because as soon as you pick up the stones, those Roman soldiers are going to come after them too. So which one of you are willing to go to prison for this right here? And one by one, they begin to leave. They look at the elders first, and the elders begin to leave, and then they begin to go too. You see, their conscience has got the best of them because they knew this whole thing was a setup. They knew this whole thing was a ruse. And so Jesus stands up and says to her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more. Now, I want you just to hold that picture in mind right there. And when you go back to the very first chapter of John, John says, for the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. You see, the Pharisees, they want justice, but they don't judge rightly, right? Because how many people does it take to commit adultery? How many do you see? There's only one standing there, the woman. And it takes two to tango, right? It takes two. Jesus wants justice. You see what the law does? The law condemns people. It can only tell you what's right and what's wrong. It doesn't have the power to change. It doesn't show grace. And what they're doing is they're taking the law and they're beating people over the head and telling them, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. And they're trying to condemn people. And Jesus came and he looks. We see God and only, it's only God that can judge. And God judges in grace and truth. Because what Jesus is in essence doing is he's telling both sides you're wrong. The Pharisees are obviously wrong because this whole thing is a ruse. But the woman, what does he say to her? Go and sin no more. But he says, I don't condemn you. And what you see is the perfect balance of grace and truth. Grace and truth. You know the prophet Isaiah 700 years before Jesus said this about the Messiah? A bruised reed he will not break. A faintly burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. This guy is going to bring forth justice, but he's going to be so gentle that if you're walking through a field and you see a bruised reed and it's broken, he's going to be so gentle he's not even going to break that reed. Or when you see a candle that's faintly burning, he won't even put that out. That's how gentle he's going to be, but he's going to bring forth justice. The bruised reed is the woman, and you see how he's treating her. She's wrong, and he tells her, go and sin no more, but he doesn't condemn her. Jesus is going to eventually suffer for humiliating the Pharisees. We know what's going to happen. But what he does, he places himself in harm's way to bring justice. Jesus places himself in harm's way to bring justice. And what Jesus is doing is he's pointing to something bigger. 
Who is Jesus? He is the light. Who are we? We are slaves to sin who don't have the ability to save ourselves. And how is he going to do it? In grace and truth. That is the cross. That is the cross. Jesus Christ came to die. He came to die because he was like, you are slaves to sin. You need to be freed. And the way he was going to do it was he was going to take the punishment. He was going to put himself in harm's way so that we didn't have to do it. The truth is we needed to be punished for our sin. His grace says he's going to do it for us. That's what we see in Jesus. And we see it in his interactions with people, and we see it ultimately fulfilled on the cross. Christ died for us. And what does he say? Believe. Believe in me. Believe. You know, when you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, you are then filled with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit begins to change you into the image of Christ. And so what does that mean for us? Well, the first takeaway is this. Jesus tells us who we are. You have to understand who you are. You are in slavery to sin. You are in bondage to sin without Jesus Christ. And he's telling you that plain. I'll never forget, when I was younger, I used to watch Yo! MTV Raps. I never thought I'd use this in a sermon, but I am. So Yo! MTV Raps, right? And there was one rap video where the camera was in and the woman was rapping and you see these prison bars and she's rapping and then as the camera pulls out she gets up with a key and she turns the key you see the whole time you're looking you're thinking she's in prison and what she's actually telling you is you're in prison that's what sin is because when we are living that way we think look at the christians they're all living in bondage they're all living in this little box but in actuality, it's the world that's living in prison, and it's the world that's actually living in sin. And so what Jesus has come to do is he's come as a light in a dark world to say, you need to be freed from sin. You need to be freed from sin. And it doesn't matter in your flesh whether you're related to Abraham or your parents would go to church or that I've been baptized when I was younger. It doesn't mean anything unless I know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And I believe that he is who he says he is. And so the first thing is he tells us who we are. The second is he tells us who he is. He is the light. He is exclusive. And what he's saying simply is I am the only way to God. I am the only way to heaven. You either believe it or you don't. There is no mixture. There is no other way. I am the only way. Who we are, who he is, and lastly, what he came to do. Only God can judge. Only God can judge. And so when you see that, you see yourself as both the Pharisee and the woman. I'm the Pharisee because how easily can I judge somebody else and condemn them for what they're doing? But I'm the woman because I also realize that's how he's treated me too. He's treated me as the bruised reed. He's treated me as the faintly burning wick. And he says, go and sin no more, but I don't condemn you. Why? Because I have received Christ as my Lord and Savior. Who is your father? God is your father if you believe in the one in whom he has sent. We live lives, we tell people who Jesus is, we tell people where we stand, and we tell them 
what he came to do in grace and truth. Pray with me.